Welcome to It Starts With A Click. I'm Olivia Bossett, fashion photographer and educator, and this is a podcast for fashion photographers looking to build their business on their own terms. Hello, how are you? I hope you're well. This week's episode is quite exciting because I got a chance to interview Pratik Naik, who is a incredible high-end retoucher. He is renowned throughout the industry and is incredibly kind and knowledgeable and I honestly am a little starstruck because of someone I followed for such a long time and whose work I admire so much. I've taken his courses. So to get to speak to him one-on-one and ask him all of my questions was incredibly exciting. So what do we touch on today? Well, it's quite a long conversation, but we get into how he got into retouching and photography. Uh, I ask him where he learned his skills, We go over some of the big no-nos that photographers do when they're retouching. Um, He also gives loads of insight on where to go to learn. He talks about outsourcing and when and how to outsource your retouching. And loads more. Like, honestly, it's such a nice conversation. He is so lovely. So I'm going to let you listen to it. I really hope you enjoy it. I'll speak to you on the other side. Hey, Pratik, how are you? Hey, Olivia. Good to be here today. Oh, thank you so much for joining me. Of course. Yeah, I, would lo- I love being here with um, people who are so creative and are looking to share their knowledge with others as well. Oh, amazing. Can you tell everyone about yourself? Because most people might not know you, or if they do, they probably want to refresh about who you are. Of course. So I am a editorial and commercial retoucher, and um, I basically have a few retouchers that work with me as well. And I primarily do a few things. The first thing that I do is I mention as a retoucher, I've been working for the last, I would say, 10 years now mm-hmm. um, doing retouching. Um, most of that has been full time, I would say like eight of, eight of those years. Wow. And so that has been something uh, pretty incredible when I look back at it. I didn't realize it's been so long. but um, And then aside from that, I also am an educator as well in the retouching industry. Mm-hmm. I have a, um, a website called The Retouching Series that I teach on. And I also um, created the Infinite Color app, which is a um, extension for Photoshop for color grading. Amazing. That's so many, so many things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely um, exciting. And how did you, because you shoot photography as well, right? I do as a hobby. And when I first started um, before retouching, mm-hmm. I was shooting a lot more beauty work and fashion. And that's what kind of was the catalyst that got me into retouching. Mm-hmm. And that's how that happened. So how did you get into photography? Well, interestingly enough, when I was in high school, this was back in, I would say, like, I'm trying to think, 1999 to 2003. Mm -hmm. Around that time, I was into art and graphic design. And I think my whole life, I just loved drawing and painting. And eventually, I realized that the world was turning more digital than before and artists were on websites like DeviantArt Mm -hmm. and they published a lot of drawings that converted to digital and that was really exciting for me so I started to learn 
about computers and the evolution of art and photography was one of those points of evolution for me and I said why am I actually spending time trying to draw somebody when I could actually frame somebody and take a portrait and just get just get the same amount of attention and so interestingly enough that's what kind of got me to photography was a continuation of art and and I fell in love with it more than art. Yeah, that's really funny. That's so similar to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's so cool. And how did you move on from photography to retouching? Because obviously that's, that's obviously a natural step. But what drew you towards retouching more than the actual photography? Well, the photography side, I think, lost its luster a little bit when I realized how much retouching people had to do to pictures, or at least I th thought I did. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, for everybody who starts with photography, they think there's a certain level uh, or amount of Photoshop that goes into a picture for it to look perfect. And so I was like, you know what, I think I'm going to actually go back to my um, love of Photoshop and apply that to photography. Mm -hmm. And 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 then for what happened was naturally, it just gradually turned into this love of, of Photoshop more than the shoots. I would actually mm -hmm. go and shoot just so that I could go back and edit the photos. Mm -hmm. and, um, and that eventually became something that I realized that I loved more than photography. But it also was something that started getting more attention than my photography. Mm -hmm. So it was a, you know, a natural progression. Yeah, that's really interesting because it's the opposite of me. <laughs> I am so not a retoucher. So it's so interesting to talk to you and hear someone who loves it so much because I'm like, nope, give it to someone else. I'll just let someone else do it for me because I don't want to do it. <laughs> but you know what? That's such a great place to be in because yeah. I, I can't outsource my photography. No. You can outsource the retouching. <laughs> yeah, I can, which is definitely a benefit because if I didn't like the photography, we'd be, have a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's more looked down upon if, if you're like, hey, can you shoot these photos for me and I can claim them as mine? Yeah, that wouldn't be good. Um, so how did you actually learn your retouching skills? I, funny enough, I remember being at a supermarket where I was checking out for something that I had purchased. And, you know, as you see these magazines mm -hmm. on the shelves and you're like, you know what, I could do that. I could do that. And that's what I thought at the time. I was like, I could definitely do this. And I started researching into what it took to be a retoucher. And so I was so engrossed, you know, the idea of becoming one. And I didn't have any resources at the time. At the time, there was a website called like Retouch Pro. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty much it. YouTube didn't have much except for people doing like time-lapse videos. No one was sharing anything. Mm -hmm. And so I told myself that I'm going to just study these people's final results mm -hmm. and then match that based on what I knew as a graphic designer and as somebody who just knew the program generally. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of doing things in a way that was weird I, I say weird because typically people don't, don't just sit down and fiddle around with tools nowadays people want to have videos in front of them yeah. <clears throat> and education in front of them so they can learn from somebody mm -hmm. um, I didn't have that so I said well because I don't have the education I have the tools so what can I do with these tools and I said I know what the healing brush does I know what the clone brush does I, I could probably figure out generally 
how to get to a very similar end result. Mm -hmm. And for a while, I was just playing around manually with these tools. And then I started using, at the time, like MySpace was there (laughs) and Facebook was there and all these platforms like Model Mayhem. And I would just contact people like, how how did you do this? Or how, you know, is this something that you would do? And through all of that, I just pieced it together till I got to a workflow that I realized that most people I think were doing. Mm -hmm. And then eventually people started asking me. And I was like, oh, no, I don't really know if I should tell you because I'm not really sure if I'm doing it correctly, but Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll share it. And then from the teaching aspect of it came learning more about other ways of doing it. Because I think as a, if you teach something, you're definitely going to learn a lot more um, about what you do than if you just try to learn everything by yourself and yeah. didn't ask for advice or help from others. Yeah, totally. I completely relate to that. And it's... it's How a, is it... What on. about you? Like, Because like with photography, you know, even back then, you had communities like Flickr and people used to do meetups did you ever become a part of a lot of meetups like that or how did you get specifically into learning i i wasn't part of any meetups because i grew up in switzerland and like and especially in my kind of community because i was part of an international school there was no Mm -hmm. um there was really no photography culture where i grew up everything was in the us or the uk and i was so far away from that and so young that i couldn't really reach that stuff so i remember i used to see all these Mm -hmm. meetups going on and be like oh my god i wish i could go to those meetups but i just learned (laughs) through like like you you know I, i had my parents camera and I I went on in the internet. I think I probably read articles online about how a, a camera worked manually. And I would just sort of look at example images and be like, okay, I really want to get that kind of soft background or that kind of light. And I would just go out and mm-hmm. try and do that. That's just literally how I learn. <laughs> that is perfect. And I always look for commonalities, even within people of different industries, because I think that people that make it, and I just had a thought about this, that people that make it in the field are very open-minded and they're not scared of experimenting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's something that I think is what I want people to get out of this is you have to be able to experiment without the fear of failure or be excited for failing because through that failure you'll discover so much that you would have never learned if you didn't try i i couldn't agree with that more i was doing a shoot just today where i was just trying a different light setup that i hadn't done before and i was like i don't know if this is going to work but it actually did it looked really good but one aspect that didn't work today (laughs) was that i had i'd actually brought two models in to shoot with and the hope was that i was going to have two girls in the same images like just basically a, a pairing of two models and they just did not work together they just didn't look good together and it occurred to me that i hadn't really thought about the casting enough so what the best thing ever oh. is that next time when I go to shoot the same idea, I already know ahead of time that I need to cast much more strongly and with a better models in mind. So, you know, it's it's those little things like that. Like the images were looking okay. They just weren't what I wanted. So in future, I'll be able to be more on it when I cast my models. It's just little things like that that you learn and like every all those experiences build up to give you the career you want. True. And also you never, I don't know about you, but have you ever, I guess for me, it's like 
you never get to the point where you want to in your mind, but that's sometimes okay because you end up at a better point. Yeah, totally. Like you, I never, I often come into shoots or anything with sort of an idea of where I want things to go and it never ever goes that way but it always ends up somewhere either better like I didn't know that I was going to get to or something completely different but I also like it (laughs) and then you're like I meant to do that yeah (laughs) totally on purpose Um, so I would like to know what are some really big like no-nos that you see photographers doing when they're retouching because we're not talking about retouches here very much photographers who are doing their own retouching someone like me who maybe not be the best retoucher in the world what are some things you see them doing that they definitely just need to stop doing (laughs) (laughs) I think the first thing they as a general rule of thumb, just going forward in the industry, um, I would say stop zooming in too much. Mm. And I do practice what I preach. Like if you look at any of my videos, you'll see that I really don't zoom in that much. Mm. And that's part of the magic of how you get to results that are so beautiful is because when you zoom in too much, what you're actually seeing is this level of contrast that is meant to be kept in the image. And what happens is when you remove that fine contrast, um, you're removing a lot of um, sharpness and, and detail. Mm-hmm. And when you zoom out, you also might realize that the end impact might not make a huge difference. Like if you've ever spent hours just like zooming in and working oh, yeah. and then you zoom out and you realize it just got a little bit softer, but it didn't actually make a big difference to the image. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason for that is because you're moving a micro contrast and you're not actually retouching what you're supposed to be retouching. So when you zoom out and only take care of the details that you see from a a viewing an actual human viewing distance Mm. you end up actually perfecting the image but keeping that fine detail that fine detail is what makes people believe that it's not retouched and so i would highly implore people to shift their focus into staying zoomed out more Mm -hmm. if you can zoom out to the point where your eyes and lips are filling the frame that's pretty much where you kind of want to be that's great advice i think Um, a lot of people spend so long just so zoomed in i've done this before as well i don't do it anymore now but but you just you zoom in to like where the hairs are almost the whole size of the screen and then you zoom out again you're like i can't even see what i just did (laughs) and the best part is most of it goes to instagram and nobody sees anything even remotely close (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny is there anything else that we should stop doing yeah, you know, um, it's it's funny because I used to do a lot of shoots where, and I still do it, where I start retouching the image in full res, every single image that I'm going to keep or give to my models and team. And then I realized that most of the people that I give these images to are not actually printing them out, mm. and they're mostly just going to the web. Yeah. And I, I would ask them beforehand, like, are these images primarily for the web, or are you printing them? Mm. And they would tell me they're primarily for the web, so what I would do... It was I would actually resize the photo before retouching them. Oh. And the reason for that is because if most of them are going to the web and Instagram, my turnover is a lot faster. I get more content out there. And if then, should I choose to actually print an image, I can then just revisit that image in full res when I decide to print it because the amount of time savings is pretty extraordinary. Yeah, um, I could knock out like 10 web res images versus like one full res. That's amazing. That's such good advice. And I think people might initially be a bit scared to, to do that. It almost feels yep. like cheating. But 
Uh-huh. It's logic. Yeah, it is. And don't be scared because you can always, like I said, go back and yeah. retouch the full res whenever you need it. And you won't lose. You'll save a lot more time than you lose. Yeah. If I if you want to put it that way, it's like looking at the stock market. It's kind of like that. <laughs> yeah. No, and I'm all about saving time and working clever, not hard. <laughs> yeah. Same. I'm yeah. lazy, but I'm efficient. I'm lazy, but I'm really detailed. It's a funny mix. That's it's a good mix. <laughs> um, and where are the best places for people to go and learn how to retouch properly, like like sort of high end retouching, like what you do? I I would recommend my website just because. Um, so I'll tell you about my platform. Mm-hmm. Actually, my platform is called the Retouching Series. Um, the Retouching Series is basically a place where I wanted to put together um, tutorials, but based on uh, an easy way to learn. And I say this because a lot of videos out there, um, you buy them and they're like hours long and you have to sit through them. It's one like strict curriculum. But I wanted to make something more friendly to people who don't have a lot of time, number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, it's broken down in a way where you you can search by topic. So if you're like, how do I fix wrinkles? Or how do I, you know, even topics like underarms that people don't want to talk about, like stuff that people really need to know the answer for, but mm-hmm. no one really has a tutorial on. So I put these tutorials together in little modules that they can go through. Like even things like glasses where you have glare mm-hmm. or, you know, there's tons and tons of skin work, clothing, backgrounds, and a module for pretty much everything. That's amazing. Um, and it's broken down like that. Yeah, and there's also like the fundamental section where you, if you don't know a lot about Photoshop, you can learn learn everything about it, as well as going through an image from start to finish. Mm. There's a whole series um, on it where I just go through images from start to finish so you can see the full picture and everything applied uh, from the ground up. So mm. highly recommend it. Okay, I will. I'll be sure to link to that in the show notes so that everyone can go and have a look. I wanted to touch on something you just mentioned, actually. You mentioned retouching clothes. Um, I know that when a lot of photographers think of retouching, or at least most photographers I know, the first thing that comes to mind is retouching skin. No one ever seems to think about the clothes, but this is a fashion photography podcast and most people listening are going to be either very interested in fashion photography or are already shooting it. And I think that clothes Mm -hmm. often get almost forgotten when it comes to retouching. What tips do you have for people to either look out for what they need to be either shooting better and less retouching afterwards? Or if they do need to retouch clothes, what are the things that they need to really know how to do and sort of be keeping an eye on? Does that make sense? (laughs) Yes, it does. And it's a great question. And I think the main thing that people need to do before the retouching begins is when you're on set make sure the clothes are fitted properly mm-hmm. um it's easy to overlook because you don't really you're stuck in the moment you don't realize what's happening because there's a lot of flowing going on but really analyze the clothes make sure they're fitted properly if they're not fitted properly always have those pins in the back where you can kind of put the clothes a little bit tighter fitted mm-hmm. and that way when you put them together and in photoshop you can easily take them out but what it also does is it just creates a better fit on the body and then you only have to worry about like the edges of the clothes if necessary Mm -hmm. instead of having garments that are too big or you know uh, yeah too big and that way um, you don't really have to do as much retouching but when it comes to the retouching part 
let's say you do have something that's fitted nicely and you're going into the retouching, you always have to be aware of how the light is hitting the garment. Sometimes what happens is even though it's fitted well, the light can hit it in such a way where it creates shadows in certain areas mm. that gives the illusion that the person might be bigger or has bulges in certain areas where they don't. And you always have to uh, make sure that's looking correct. Um, the biggest sin, the cardinal sin for fashion is always taking care of wrinkles. When you see them, those hard wrinkles in the mm -hmm. clothes, you always want to make sure they're taken care of either by cloning them out, healing them out, dodging and burning them out, but make sure they're gone. The hardest thing to do in fashion retouching is taking out um, bunched up clothing, mm -hmm. especially when there's patterns involved. Yeah. So anytime you have patterns, make sure on set you have eagle eyes or somebody assigned to make sure that the clothing um, does not have any folds in areas you don't want them to because chances are trying to take them out there's some instances i just couldn't i couldn't have i couldn't do it yeah. um there's just no way and i'm sure you might have run into that situation as oh, well yeah. definitely that's a really good <laughs> really good tip like if there are lots of patterns like even just things like stripes getting stripes to look right mm -hmm. and having someone on oh, set who's watching at all times how the clothing is looking so that everyone can focus on their job and that is that one person's job is making sure those stripes are looking good so that everyone's happy afterwards. That is such good advice. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And make sure your liquify settings are also correct because mm. in liquify you can change things like, um, you can change obviously your brush size and it's going to be in the top. I don't know where it is right now because I don't have it open. But when you go to liquify tool, um, it's going to be called the forward warp tool. It's the default tool that comes up in liquify that everyone is used to when you just push and pull things. Mm -hmm. um, you can change the size. Uh, you can also change the density, and that's kind of like how soft the brush is. And I, I usually keep mine to about 50, which is somewhere between soft and hard. It replicates a natural movement when you think of liquefying. Mm. But the most important thing is there's going to be a setting under size. It's kind of like, it's kind of like flow. Mm. Um, I forgot the I forgot the word. I don't know if you know it. Is but, it pressure? Um, it's yeah, pressure. Yes, mm. I always keep my pressure down to like five or ten mm -hmm. and the reason for that is it allows you to really gently nudge things in in place um, especially because when you have it set to the default it's really aggressive and the goofine can become really difficult to get mm -hmm. exact and that has really helped me um, dealing with clothing okay that's really good advice I wanted to ask as well about outsourcing because as I've already mentioned, I have now started outsourcing my retouching <laughs> because I don't want to do it anymore. Um, but so like because me, I don't want to. <laughs> because I don't want to do it anymore. So um, for people like me who might not have the time or the skills to retouch their, retouch their own work, what should they be looking for in a retoucher and how can they start outsourcing their work? First thing is going to be Let's talk about characteristics. So mm -hmm. I always think that the number one characteristic of a retoucher is communication skills. Mm -hmm. When you first message them, how fast did they get back to you? How, you know, how considerate was their response? Did they, you know, answer all your questions, um, especially when it comes to like rates and deadlines mm -hmm. um, and scheduling? You always want to be, and on and vice versa too, when you approach them, you always want to um 
give them an idea of a few things. Number one is how many images do you have to do? Um, the second is can you provide the images for them to look at for a rate? The third is like your deadlines. You always want to be sure that you're very, very clear on deadlines because sometimes clients are like, yeah, you could do it whenever. Mm-hmm. But then they're like, I actually need it today. And, you know, you always get into those issues. So be very clear. Like if you really mean take your time, then don't have a deadline. But if you if you say take your time, but you think five days is what you want it in, then mm-hmm. say five days. Um, the second thing, or the, like the 10th thing by now, but the <laughs> next thing is going to be, uh, the next thing is going to be making sure that um, you two are jiving very well, because sometimes you might not connect with somebody and being in a relationship with a retoucher for your business is very much like being, finding a best friend or mm-hmm. finding somebody to be in a relationship with. You have to understand each other and work in the same kind of, you know, uh, understanding level. Mm-hmm. So that's very important. When it comes to quality, you always have to be sure that looking at their work, you actually like their quality because just based on what you see is very similar to what you might get. Um, and if you want to be sure, you can always test with them. You can send them an image. Mm-hmm. Um, they might ha- they might test for free or they might send you a rate in return for that one image. And it's worth the investment because when you you know try somebody out and you see your, your work with their skills applied, you can get an idea of how they're going to be um, with you specifically because mm-hmm. their portfolio might have a ton of different styles. And believe me, Every photographer has different raw files. They, your raw files do not look like their raw files at all. Yeah, so the end results you see on their work, it might, it won't, won't translate to your work um, necessarily because mm-hmm. the cameras are different, lenses are different, you know, style, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, test with them. You know, get a feel of what it looks like. Um, get a sense of can you afford their rate and and do you like their quality. And those are the factors I think are, are most important. That's really good advice. I tested with mine. I've got a few that I've got sort of on call now. Um, and every one of them, I just sent one raw file of a shoot I'd just done and asked them to do a really quick turnaround. Everyone was happy to do it for free, but I would have been happy to maybe pay yeah. if I needed to test with someone else. Um, I totally understand that. And that worked really well for me. I got a very good idea of what I was seeing and it was interesting to see the variations in every retoucher and it was nice to see what they do differently and how they would make different images look so tailoring who I would use for which shoots was really good to see through those tests that's that's excellent it's almost like I uh I asked you for your answer and then I just (laughs) said it it's perfect timing (laughs) yeah uh how did you find your retouchers? I'm curious to know as from the photography standpoint. I went on Facebook groups, literally that simple. I I think I asked, I was in, I was actually in Lara Jade's Facebook group. Um, and I went in there and just said that I was looking for retouchers. Did anyone have any ideas of where to look? And did they know anyone? And there was a few people in that actual thread who were photographers, but also did some retouching on the side. Um, and there was one girl's portfolio in there. I was like, I was really drawn to. So she did a test for me and she's now on my list. And then it was another girl who I found in another Facebook group, but that was specifically for retouchers. Um, and the first one was through one of those sort of 
uh, testing ones where people can sort of put up extra images and if they if any retouchers want to use the images for their portfolios they're welcome to have them and one of the girls was in there and she just wanted to play on one of my images and so she retouched a few of my images actually for free but now we've got a working relationship because after this I've got more images for her to retouch but I'm not going to make her do them for free I'm going to pay her for them <laughs> so um yeah all, all through Facebook actually that's a good idea. Yeah, that's the best way to do it for me personally. Like going to groups that you admire mm-hmm. and want to see your work align with and just asking the community because everybody is is there for each other. And that's what I love about this field is no matter you know what you do, there's a group for you and oh, yeah. there's a community inspired by the style of work that you do too. So uh, never be afraid to just be yourself and, and ask and don't be shy either mm-hmm. because not being shy is really important. Yeah, totally is. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to mention about retouching specifically? Because I've got a few like quick fire questions I'm going to jump into. But have you got anything else, any sort of advice or any points you want to make before we move on? <laughs> Some grand points of eternal wisdom for retouching. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would say if you have if you have any questions um, in regards to retouching i do have a facebook group as well it's called photoshop with pratik you can join in if anybody wants to find a retoucher there as well you can post um your work as well as um you know uh, what you're looking for so and also you can post your questions so if you're like hey i want to ask specifically about this people are so happy to help and we try to maintain a really positive community Mm, that's really good okay i will link to that in the show notes as well perfect so time for a few quick fire questions i'm basically asking everyone these i've kind of tailored yours to be retouching related um what is your favorite camera i actually just got the uh well i'm gonna say if if it, there's no money as an expense it's the phase one okay um I, it's the xf because that one oh my god if you have a chance to play with it the images are just spectacular okay i'll but, add it to know, my list <laughs> <laughs> and what about I'm gonna, oh i'm oh, also yeah, gonna go on. say the uh the canon eos r because i if i'm looking for like a mirrorless one that was one of my favorites because I, I really love the canon colors and i wanted a mirrorless camera mm-hmm. and um i wanted like a 5d4 that was sharper and also had eye autofocus and so wow. I, I really i really love that camera so i'm gonna go with that for a mirrorless okay that's a really good cool i'm gonna look that up as well i shoot nikon but um, I've heard the new Nikon. Uh-huh. I think it's the is it are they N N ones or N threes? I can't remember what they're called. The new mirrorless ones. I've heard they're good too. I haven't oh, tried them. But yes, they are. Yeah, I'll it's have to the, try. It's um, the Z six and Z seven. That's right. They they are really beautiful. I had a recently we recently did a campaign for them or not for them, but it was for Joe McNally and he had some of the images shot with the Z six and seven um, at. CES the CES show and mm-hmm. I the campaign was for and the files are so beautiful so if you if you got the camera I don't think you'll be upset at all okay I'll have to give it a go okay Nikon did you hear that I want I want a camera <laughs> 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 just shouting I out give her that camera <laughs> <laughs> okay um, I'll, I'll send you a message yeah thanks <laughs> um I think this is going to be an obvious one but what's your favorite software I'm actually going to say capture one oh, wow. because I <laughs> yeah the reason for that um 
is because I process all my raw files through Capture One. And okay. for a long time, I used to do it through Camera Raw. And the second I got, the second I saw Capture One colors, I it, it totally changed everything. Like the camera looks so much different now that I'm actually processing, you know, colors through there. Camera Raw has caught up actually quite a bit mm -hmm. now, but it's there's still a, a discernible difference. But the color tools in Capture One are really cool. There's so much you can do, like skin wise, you can make skin tones look really nice and even and things like that. So I'm going to say Capture One. But obviously, yes, Photoshop too, because it's my bae, you know. Before. I was going to say, yeah, like, you, can't, you can't ignore the Photoshop. I mean, I think they, Adobe would be really upset. <laughs> I think they go hand in hand. It's like if I got married, I would have to marry both of them because yeah. they're both like, you know, my loves. Just a little bigamy <laughs> up in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Digital big of me. Yeah. Um, what about favorite lens? Um, right. Oh, interesting enough. I um I have the the new Canon fifty one point two. Okay. And I actually got the camera because of that lens, and the mm -hmm. lens is so nice because it uh, is super sharp when it's in focus at one point two. Really. And because as I autofocus, it focused on the eye perfectly mm -hmm. and so I can shoot portraits at 1.2 and get everything in focus and and the and the fall off is just stunning so it's one of the prime lenses that I've seen where it's super sharp and super creamy and so for that I'm going to say the 51.2 on the new uh, Canon RF that that does sound like a dream <laughs> yeah it does it really is if, if I'll show you pictures later it's really beautiful okay. hopefully switch you over to the Canon side <laughs> <laughs> oh god don't don't pull me to the dark side <laughs> Um, what is your favorite tool for every day? What do you mean? Like, um, like as, a, as a human tool. being or as a retoucher? <laughs> Whatever you want. <laughs> I was like, hmm, I was thinking coffee cup. Perfect yeah, okay. tool. <laughs> um, I would say probably my Wacom Intuos. I have the Intuos Pro. Mm -hmm. I have the small version. Um, actually, no, I lie. I have the small and medium. Okay. The new, well, currently at this time of year, we have there's a new um, Intuos Pro. It's a medium size, but it's the smallest one they make. Um, and I think they call it the medium because they have, uh, it's the same size as the old small, but mm -hmm. they've just increased like the surface area. Okay. So it's a really nice form factor and I use it every day. So any Wacom tool basically is one of my favorites because I need it. Without it, I don't think I would be able to be a retoucher. No. Can I ask a weird question? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Yes. I, cause I only have a Wacom bamboo. Like I have a really old, it must be like... I don't know, six or seven years old, and it's tiny, and the nib is definitely, definitely gone. Probably doesn't help my retouching. Um, <laughs> and why? I I don't understand the point of having the huge ones, because surely we okay. want to like like oh. you have to just move your hand so much. Like, what is the point? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna ask you first. Why do you think there are large tablets? Well, for more detail. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of. Um, the answer to that is your drawing style. So let's say that. Have you ever seen somebody draw 
in like those educational videos or YouTube videos and they're drawing from their wrist or their elbow. Like they have their elbow planted and then they're just doing like these broad strokes with their arm. Oh, yeah. And what happens is with people who are digital artists, they need those they need those broad strokes. Mm. And so for them, that larger tablet is the perfect size. But as a retoucher, your movements are primarily stuck to pivoting on your wrist. Mm -hmm. And so the smaller tablets are better for us at my at least from my perspective. I think so I'm right way more than enough. You are 100 percent correct. Yeah, you see, you see. You see, I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't betting against you, though, so. Okay, good. Uh, Well, I'm glad you answered that question. I'm going to move on from that before we get sidetracked completely. (laughs) Before you get wrong. (laughs) Yeah, before I get it wrong. Uh, Who is your favorite photographer? I'm going to say my wife, Bella Kotak. She uh, is my favorite because... Well, I married her, so she has to be my favorite. <laughs> but um, it's because I think when I see her work, um, it's it's really interesting. If For those of you who don't know her, um, she's a fine art photographer, and you can look her up by her name, Bella Kotak, and she has a really great sense of a few things. One is posing. When I first saw her work, she poses people in ways that I've never seen in the fashion world because... I guess, for example, like Lara, I've known her for the last, I think, like six, six, seven years now. And and every time and she's such a big influence in the industry. So I get a lot of ideas from people like Lara or Sue Bryce, where I see them so much and I see the way they coach people and how they pose and some of the rules they have, like you shouldn't keep put your palms outwards and the way you curl your fingers. And it's just different. It's different in the fashion world, different in the portrait world. And then when I saw the way Bella poses people, it was so, it was completely different to the photography norms that I was used to. And it was more in line with a lot of the fine art paintings that you'd see. Mm. And initially when I saw some of her portraits, I was like, this is such an awkward like composition something that I would never consider and when I, I was so enamored by that. It was so interesting. And then when she layered that with her color work, and again, her color work is something that I still can't emulate. And she's known for some of her colors. Mm-hmm. And when I see her build up her, her work, I, I'm just completely, you know, enamored by that. And so I think for that reason, when I see her work and the, the level of complexity that it has, and in a funny way, she doesn't even realize it. Like when I tell her this, she's like, oh, really? I had no idea. I'm like, yeah, you're pretty deep and you know who. <laughs> That's so cute. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. That's really adorable. Um, okay, before we get too gushy, <laughs> who is yeah. your favorite retoucher? Um, I. That's a good question. I actually, actually don't know that answer. And I say that because every time I see an image that I'd really like um, in terms of retouching, it's always done by somebody that I have never heard of. Mm. And it goes to show me something that I think a lot of people can be really good at retouching. It's not necessarily something that you're like born with or, you know, you can't get really good at. Because mm. I've seen people who have told me that they're not good at retouching, but then as former students, I, I see them and how they've grown and what they've learned. And suddenly they're really good at what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And it also comes down to another principle 
of you can always admire someone's work even though you might not do the same thing. And for me, that also applies to retouching because there's styles of retouching that I would probably never do with my work. Like I would never smooth skin to the point where texture is gone. However, I've also seen retouchers with a certain style break these norms and boundaries that you think you shouldn't do and make it look really cool. So, you know, I don't think there's a certain person, but there's definitely an admiration for different retouchers and styles. That's really good. That's a good answer. Um, and who is your favorite person to follow on Instagram? Um, I'm gonna, Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I was going to say like a dog account or something because <laughs> I really love following dogs on Instagram. Um, but I think I'm going to leave that one blank because okay. I am so, so interested in just seeing how every, everybody conducts their Instagram accounts that mm -hmm. I don't think there's one person. It's just like whoever keeps you the most interested and the most fascinated is somebody that should be nominated. Okay, that's a good answer as well. And <laughs> what was your favorite shoot that you've ever worked on and why, if you have one? My, I do. I actually, when, so I work with phase one when it comes to their capture one side a lot mm -hmm. and they discovered me I think about six years ago when I was one of the people on Facebook and Instagram, I'm always very open. And so when they realized that I also, you know, use Capture One, they brought me on board um, and our relationship grew. Eventually, they had me come on board for the Phase One XF launch. And that was, I think, three or four years ago now, maybe less. Mm -hmm. But um, they brought me on board and I was a digital tech on shoot that day and a retoucher and we were in Denmark and it was so beautiful. Like it, it was one of the most iconic images that we produced. Um, and the the best part about that was the fact that I got to be on set that day and see such a, a beautiful image being produced. And it's all, it's on their website still with Aww. the phase one XF and it's, it's, it's a stunning, they had a conceptual makeup application where, uh, it was just a it was just a masterpiece and I knew that after the fact because like the photography industry does everybody tries to copy a theme mm -hmm. like a, a original theme and, and so I would start seeing images come out that I tried to copy it at least at least a good 15 of them by now wow. and you could tell nobody has done even close to it and uh, <clears throat> so that that was something that I really really love being a part of cool I have to go and have a look. That sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and just to finish up, where can everyone find you and stay up to date with you and your work? You can find me primarily on Facebook and Instagram. My Instagram, if you just type um, solstice retouch, S-O-L-S-T-I-C-E, retouch, that's my handle, and Facebook at Pratik Naik. Um, and you can check out everything that I'm up to as well as mostly stories and posts and um, typical stuff. Cool. Well, I'm going to link to everything in the show notes. So it's going to be super easy for everyone to come and follow you and find you and see your amazing work. And thank you so much for coming on. It's been amazing. You've shared so much and I'm really, really grateful for you doing this. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of It Starts With A Click. 
If you enjoyed it, please come and let me know over on Instagram at Olivia Bossett. That's my handle. If you'd like to learn more about fashion photography in general, then head over to my website. It's www.oliviabossert.com. I blog weekly all about fashion photography, and I also have a huge free resource library, which is full of free downloads. Downloads include a pitching email course, which is a five-part free email course, um, all about pitching. There's an ebook, which is all about using Instagram and Pinterest to market your business. And there's even an email template file of how to pitch yourself it's word for word. It's the email I use when I pitch myself to brands. So go and get that. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever app you're using to listen. And make sure that you don't miss future episodes because they're going to be amazing. I will see you next week. Bye.